the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Good day and welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. 2018 will be the year that with the 10-year Treasury pushed the 30-year mortgage rate back to 5%. Where were you when that happened? Is it monumentous? Is it momentous? Is it, is it a big deal? Is it not that big of a deal? Historically speaking, a 5% mortgage is pretty sweet. On a 30-year fixed, you're borrowing a lot of money. You're getting some tax deductions on it. You're getting some tax efficiencies on the home. You're paying yourself. Historically, not too shabby, but psychologically, and I can tell you this from news and I've almost murdered and been murdered by my news director in television. He's like, the Dow broke from 14,000 to 13,000. This is a big deal. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, it's a big round number. People like big round numbers and people do like big round numbers. The rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage was 5% in 2018. Where were you on that momentous day? Um, my family was eating hot dogs in theory back on the day that John F. Kennedy was shot. Of course, I was not alive, but that's neither here nor there. They never ate hot dogs again because it made them so sick. I know. I know. Right. Where were you on that day? It's kind of big. Now I know you're saying, well, did they eat not dogs like hot dogs without, you know, the, the pig lips and stuff in it? I, 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 I don't have an answer for you on that. Are you Let's bring, crazy? Let's bring in Tony Mendez, com. It's com. He's the mortgage expert of the show. Good morning. He's on Thursdays 6 to 7. And I say 6 because they've got a large contingent of snakes who are fans. Um, mortgage my, expert. My, my. Oh, my, my, my. Is it a big deal going from 4% to 5% in a year on mortgage rates? Well, it, it, I think psychologically, it's it's very powerful. Um, there was, uh, you know, a lot of people who are looking at houses, especially the large millennial um, um, contingency out there of home buyers. Is uh, you know they're not used to rates being over five percent. They're used to rates being in the threes and the fours. So psychologically, yes, a lot of people are like, ah, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to wait for rates to come down. There's a, a kind of that psychology going on right now in Seattle where a lot of people are leaving Seattle going, oh, the home prices, you know, they're up to median home prices, $700,000 there. But now more inventory is hitting the market. So they're saying, well, we're going to stay. So it, it, it can flip flop pretty quickly. And rates do like to do that. At the beginning of the year, rates were at 4%. So Less than a year ago, rates were at four percent. Now it's at five percent, um, and it can mean a lot of money for for people. Either on a monthly basis, you have to just suck it up, or you have to make more money to qualify. Um, on a median loan here, like a five hundred thousand dollar loan, that costs about thirty six hundred dollars a year more for that one interest rate. So yeah, it's when not only psychological, home, but but financially, it's expensive. When I bought a home, it was the recent home was essentially to 
you know, put my kids in a school district kind of thing. Um, and so it still is. If I had bought my last home in San Carlos with the idea of an investment, I might be ringing the cash register right now going, this is as good as it gets playing that game. But I'm not a single guy. I'm not in the situation of, um, you know, like, let's, hey, honey, let's move to Vegas for a couple of years. Or, hey, let's move, you know, into an apartment while we live off this million-dollar increase in equity. So I'm committed, sadly, for the next 10 years or so. And, like, I, I think you probably run into a little bit of that. But you also probably run into some people who are, like, little, little um, as I refer to someone, um, lily pad jumpers. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And in fact, my parents' good friends do that. Um, they, they did that up. They, they kept moving closer and closer to their dream home. And to do that, they would buy a, a fixer upper or they would f- buy a home that they could expand and sell for more. And, and the markets, when you're doing that in that market, it can work. But, um, interest rates eat into that a little bit. Uh, the cost of borrowing gets a little bit more expensive. You're, you know, if it's a renovation type of product, the private, side of the money, the, the, which most people go to, that gets a little bit more expensive if you're not using all of your funds uh, in cash. But overall, psychologically, I think it's it does play into those people who are doing that lily pad jumping. I like the way you say that. And I own a property <laughs> in Raleigh that it's been really good to me, all things considered. I've had a renter in it for the majority of the time, maybe two down months. Um, but if I, in my world, my home is my home for where my kids go to school and have the community. But that Raleigh place, I don't always want to own that place. And it was kind of meant to be an investment, but it was kind of meant to be maybe I could end up there. It was kind of meant to be have other people's money pay for it. Um, That may be the one I decide to flip and go, okay, let's move that cash over across the country back to California and put it to use somewhere, maybe in a new property here or a new property closer to me. Because Raleigh's not easy to get to for me anymore. Yeah, It used to to be easy to get to. I mean, ultimately... When it comes to buying and selling real estate, and let's say you are that investor, it's really it's not just interest rates. Interest rates ultimately play into your cash flow, but it's also programs and availability of programs and qualifying. Um, and it's also in your circumstance where you're a flipper or somebody who's just trying to upgrade their property every five years or every 10 years, uh, it's about where the trends are. So there's still very positive trends in the United States. Um, you, you know, we were looking at some stats where more inventory is hitting the Western region. San Jose leads the market. They had like 89% more inventory hitting the market compared to last year. Uh, but nationally, it's still negative by 0.2% or something like that. So there are trends around the United States where you could say, I can move that rental property from one to another, upgrade that, reamortize that, you know, that balance, move the equity over and get to, you know, look at building your portfolio or just improving that, that type of property for the cash flow or for, you know, more equity building. But interest rates, uh, again, um, I don't want people, I don't want people to think we fear it. It is psychologically something that we pay attention to, but programs really drive the market and we still are historically below our, our interest rate of six and a quarter percent. Yeah. Go t- try to tell a millennial that six and a quarter percent is normal and they'll go like, whatever. I know you're saying, are you blending, are you blending millennial speak with um, valley, valley speak? Valley, yeah. Right? Right? I remember when interest rates were 4%, right? Um, so you, you brought up the term flipper. And there's just not a lot of room left in the flipper universe as far there's not a lot of wiggle room. And a lot of people still want to be that person. It's, it's stunning to me and how many people want to be like, take a shortcut to wealth. 
Well, you, I think actually the market might open up in that respect when it comes to uh, if, if we do see more inventory hitting the market. Imagine that person who's been sitting in a property for a long period of time, and they're like, you know, I'm finally going to cash out. They didn't do a lot of work on the property. They didn't need to. The realtor saying, you don't need to because it's hot market. We don't have a lot of inventory. Now that we see more inventory hitting the market, yeah, you might take a little bit of concessions here and there, and we actually might start seeing more deals on properties that are um, – in distress. And we might see more investors saying this is an opportunity to improve it. Um, I actually think we might see more of those types of opportunities, but you are right. It is tight right now. It's very difficult to do it. Um, We know investors that are going across the United States, like Columbus, Ohio, and Austin, and Reno, Sacramento's, that are looking for those type of opportunities. They've stopped. I don't want to say stop, but they've They've cut back significantly here in the Bay Area. Well, the, the leverage on Ohio is not going to be the leverage that you get in the Bay Area, which is part of the, the mathematical way you win in flipping. But at the same time, you're not spending top dollar on a distressed property where you might not do that in, in Ohio. Sounds good. Bueno, we need more flippers. <laughs> Dolphins that save people. We had Rin 1010. We had Flipper. Where have all the smart, saving animal heroes gone? That's what I want to know. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I know you're saying Rin 1010. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Life happens pretty fast, and it's really good if you develop a plan. Maybe on the fly, but develop a plan, you know? It's better than nothing. Part of your plan is organization. Sometimes I'm not the most organized person. My puppy's getting old. She's going to be put down today. So I've had to go through, get this, 15 years of photos. Because I'm not that organized. And what I realized in the last couple days is... Stunningly beautiful dog, strong dog, great friend, but 15 years of no organization. You know, there's been some times where I was like, that's a great picture. Let's, let's get it photo. Let's get it framed. Um, but that's not good. Fortunately, I handle my finances way better. There's a thing called binders. Do you remember binders? I still like having a physical binder on basically things like that washer dryer. When did I buy it? Kind of thing. How much did I pay? Where's the manual? Washer dryers aren't that tough to fix if you have the manual. They're going to break when they're going to break for sure, but you get the idea. So a binder is great for bills. I still automate my bills, but I still kind of, in case I kick the bucket, I want someone to be able to walk in and say, oh, let's take a look at his budget. He has 47 bills every month and two paychecks. Let's figure that out. So binder is very, very helpful, especially if you're doing it, if you're signing up to have it done through email, you kick the bucket and people don't get into your email for a while. You can see where it's, it helps. I had to go through my dad's stuff. My dad had a desk, like my photos of Maisie, the wonder dog. Um, but it was, it was a pleasure putting together photos and just remembering just crazy things in the life of a puppy. In your binder, you should have things like potentially a birth certificate, maybe social security numbers or your social security card. You should try to keep it in a safe. 
early on in life, you definitely want to put your sources of income together, your financial assets, your liabilities, your insurance policies, your will, your trust, any legal documents. It was kind of funny because when I was going through my dad's stack of paperwork, if it had been in a binder, I could have helped my mom mourn. But because it was in just stacks, I was like, there's going to be a legal piece of paper saying that I was adopted. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be the happiest man in the world. I'm going to learn that my my mom is Shirley Temple Black. <laughs> I'm going to learn that my dad is Charles Black, the guy who started PG&E. Like, I'm going to suddenly become a billionaire when my dad dies. Because I'm going to learn, I'm going to see the adoption papers. Now, most kids are f- afraid of adoption. I'm, I looked at it as an opportunity. I just wanted to make sure that it was a daddy Warbucks who adopted me. You know what I'm saying? Scrooge was an investor god. Now, I say that on occasion as a bit of a joke, but also as a bit of a learning mechanism tool to slightly remind you that giving gifts is not about the monetary value. Giving gifts is not about, like, if you have that flexibility, that's great. But most people would like a a card or good cold beer. You don't have to go to town and go crazy. My still, my investing baseline is still a million dollars. I was talking to a news anchor at Crown yesterday, and she goes, how much life insurance do I need to get? I said, let's start at 10 times your income. Because it's easy that way. It's a, it's a good rule of thumb that's not going to get you into too much trouble. It starts you off in the process, and then before you sign on the dotted line, you go, okay, let's explore this. What does a million dollars actually get me? Is that taxed? Is it not taxed? How much income can I get? So I told her, buy term and invest the rest. Don't buy variable life. Don't buy whole life. Bad products. Bad products. Annuities, bad products for most of you out there. So I start with a million dollars and then I go, I ask the anchor, I go, so do you have any children? She goes, she does. I'm like, oh, I'm like, do you care about them? And she does. Some people don't, but she did. So credit is something to be paid attention to. So I would say for every kid, you have 250,000 for the record. So if you have a, a spouse that needs your income and you're making a hundred, start with a million dollars. For a kid, 250000 college will be more expensive or less expensive than, but you're in, you're in the ballpark. My credit score ebbs and flows sometimes because I try to manage my cash flow to, to, to leniency. I want to use it. I, I want to f- maximize it. So sometimes, uh, like I just got a second mortgage and my cash flow is struggling right now. So my credit score is struggling a little bit, but it's working in the right direction. So a good credit score is, is pretty powerful. I'm glad I've got a mortgage at 3.75%, 4.25%. Like I can name my numbers and I could still say I'm pretty comfortable with it because I had a good credit score to great credit score going in. Everyone should check annualcreditreport.com. Everyone should manage credit wisely and know that it can get you into a heap of trouble. It got me into trouble in college. I mean, not, not horrific. I saw people go bankrupt. But I probably gained five to 10 pounds in pizzas that were put on credit cards that if I had to go to the cafeteria and use my cafeteria plan, I'd be a lot skinnier. And it wouldn't really hit the spot of the munchies in the middle of the night. Remember how bad college was? You would order a pizza. You'd go wash your hands and like everyone in the dorm had eaten your pizza by the time you got back. It was like, let's mess with them. Or a freshman would go get like five bottles of alcohol and then he'd leave the room and you'd drain all of his alcohol and replace it with water and watch him get trashed off of drinking a whole fifth of vodka by himself when it was really only two shots left in it. Boy, is this great! College, right? And this is what we pay $250,000 for. Um, yeah. I think getting your kids started with a, a bank account is great. I think getting your kids started with a credit card is fantastic. 
How soon? 15, 16. But give them a secure card. Let them practice while in the house before midnight in a dormitory where peer pressure is saying, get 10 pizzas. When he should be probably only getting one if he's paying for it himself. So that's out there. I like the S&P 500, but I don't love the S&P 500. So S&P 500 is a large cap weighted index. And you'll see it on TV. I, I, I don't like the Dow. I, I have no purpose for the Dow. It's just 30 stocks that I may or may not own. For some reason, it's an index that doesn't mean as much as... Like, S&P 500 means more about capitalism, large cap corporate America capitalism. And generally speaking, if big companies like Apple and Google and Intel and Microsoft and Bank of America and J.P. Morgan, if they're doing well, Boeing, it's kind of a nice reflection of capitalism. I once met a real estate agent who had 70-plus credit cards, and she was proud of it. You know those CD cases where they have the plastic on the inside and you slip the you slip the CD cover into it? She had something like that with 70-plus credit cards. And I was like, whoa, that's too many, in my opinion. Whoa. Too much manage. Too much financial trickery. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Maisie the Wonder Dog, we love you. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. One of my favorite investors is a guy named Ron Mullenkamp. Ronald Mullenkamp. Ronald. Whoa. And, um... His website, his last name is M-U-H-L-E-N-K-A-M-P. Mullen's pretty easy to remember, M-U-H-L-E-N, but Camp K-A-M-P adds a little bit of stress to it. He posts a lot of his writings on his webpage from 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. I think he's a great investor, and I do pay a lot of attention to what he says and what he's written in the past. Um, as an investor, his you know five-year track record was typically like 14, 15%. And that's pretty good when it's consistent. Anyone can hit a home run, but to do it consistently, that's the trick, right? It is for me, at least. Um, so I like Rod Mullenkamp. Who do you like? You know, you know that I, every now and then I tell you a couple of other people I, I like, like Scott Galloway. Now, he's not an investor. He's just kind of a guy who talks about big companies who happen to be publicly traded. So he teaches me some of the things that could go wrong, or some of it I totally agree with, some of it I totally disagree with. So find your Buddha and your guru. Don't think that they're going to be your stock picker. Think that they're going to be the people to kind of teach you how to fish. If someone paid a lump sum, oh, I'm switching topics. I like moving camp. I like Galloway. And now you know. Speaking of which, you know what I watched the other day on Roku? Roku has a channel on their Roku devices that's free. And they've got some pretty good movies. they got like the Mad Max movie. Free. Um, and again, it, it's not Rocky 1, Rocky 2, or Rocky 3. Free. And uh, the first beginning of Rocky. Dun, 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 dun. And I'll, I'll just watch that and I'll turn the movie off. I just need the first 15 seconds of Rocky to pump me up. But I was watching a Roku. Ow. Right? 
Everyone's done this while running, pretended to be Rocky for a minute, for a second. Yo, Adrian. Anyhow, Roku offers that for free and it's ad supported, which is it gets a little annoying because you get in the world of Netflix and there's no commercials. But then again, you're like, maybe, well, I'm not actually paying for this either. And sometimes you go through Netflix and you're like, oh, there's nothing new. I'm done with it. They spend $8 million, $10 million a year on content, and I can't find anything to watch, right? So, but the, I watched ALF the other day. I had a best friend who was uh, in college when ALF was out, and uh, he used, my dad died, and he used to go, let's see, am I telling the story correctly? That sounds, no, it was, a little, no, it was when my dad was sick. He would go over to my house, because I was off in college, different state kind of thing. And he'd go visit my little sister, and he'd watch Alf with her. So I was like, I'm going to watch Alf in memory of Brian. Um, I haven't seen him in 20-plus years, right? And it's an awful show. Americans were entertained by awful, awful shows in the 80s. But neither here nor there. Um, it's funny, though. The, the house by the mom would say, hey, Alf. Um, and, and Alf was a thing that looked like a kangaroo with a long nose, alien life form. It was a comedy, and the housewife would say, hey, Alf, have you seen my yellow earrings? He goes, what color are they? Ha! I kill myself! (laughs) I I know, right? Uh, Anyway, I totally digress. So here's the problem with investing in real estate versus stocks. A lot of people really get kind of like bogged down into it. And you can become kind of, you can make yourself crazy trying to figure out what to do right and what to do wrong. If you pay a lump sum of $100,000 for home, $100,000 $100,000 for a home in 1970, California, you would own a million-dollar home free and clear. So, right, 30 years later. However, you invested $100,000 in the stock market in 1970 and then invested $1,000 to $2,000 per year, which is the equivalent of property taxes, you would have $2 million. Who's the winner? Is it the stock market or is it the housing market? You got to put money down on a home. Traditional 20% down purchases, if you put some, you know, $20,000, you pay $10,000 property income taxes for 25 years, it doesn't go as far as the investment did. Um, So I'm not saying stocks are better than uh, real estate. I'm saying fact is they are. Now, again, people go, oh, my daddy said. People get caught up in the past. I think Kennedy once said, the past is a bucket of SH, and you finish it, right? Ancient Chinese secret. Whisk, get rid of. Ring around the collar. That's a commercial that wouldn't fly today. A very uh, Chinese broken accident lady talking about Chinese secrets and how whisk is the best way to get your laundry clean. That would not fly today. That is inappropriate behavior. That's terrible. So I was talking to someone at a seminar recently, and he was like, I've been listening to you for 20 years. And uh, I was like, okay, let's do a battle of Rob Black-isms. Uh, Can we do it? Are you seeing where I'm going at with this? Um, some Rob Black radio sayings that, you know, you kind of can uh, say the same thing a lot. You do 15 hours of radio a week. It starts to add up. You do television in there and you do some internet. Don't fight the markets. That's number one. Accounting irregularities equals sell. Immediately, no questions asked. 
if the financials have to be restated, you'll sometimes hear companies, and even Donald Trump says this, my taxes are being audited all the time. You wouldn't be able to understand what's going on. Your little pea-sized brain can't process the bigness of Trump's enterprises. But when a company is always being audited, that equals accounting irregularities to me. And I just run. I cut and run. It's not my thing. I like buying sector leaders, the best of the breed. Um, I know a lot of people go, but that's so expensive. I want to buy the next one or the one who's coming up, you know, the one who's going to piggyback. And uh, no, that's not me. I don't like the coattail riders. You don't have to. It's not a game of, you know, someone's going to look at your portfolio and go, oh, you only own winners. Oh, you only own the big guys. I get it. You don't like small guys. I don't, if, if you go to buy a dog and it's got fleas, I'm like, I'll pass. It's already mangy. It's going to make me mangy. It's going to make my house mangy. It's going to make my brain mangy. Mangy house, mangy house, right? Mangy house, mangy mind. <laughs> Sorry, Fido. But don't buy a dog with fleas. And a lot of investments become dogs with fleas. They fall apart and we're like, well, I'm just going to hold it for one more month. Don't buy IPOs that are less than one year old, especially in that 90-day to 120-day period. That's when the lockup happens, and that's when a lot of people who've been working in the company for years and years and years start selling their shares. And suddenly the stock wasn't moving on 8 million shares. Suddenly it's moving around on 32 million shares, and it's tough to get kind of like some push on it. When a company like Uber IPOs or Facebook IPOs, there's a big rush to, like, I want to own some of it. I want to own us. Everyone's made money before you. I look for quarter and quarter and year over year increase in revenues and earnings. In good times and bad times, I'm looking to protect uh, the company, protect the portfolio. And it, I don't have to have growth. I just can't have decelerating growth. Don't chase a stock or sit on a spike. Chasing a stock when you see a company go from four to 120. Everyone's made money, but you. If a company, if you own a company, so that's when you don't chase a company. You don't have to own it. You could buy pieces of it if you want to, scaling in. But don't sit on a spike. Little Miss, little Miss Muffet. Don't be Little Miss Muffet, right? When a company goes like from 20 to 30, there's no sh- if it goes there in like a week, there's no shame taking some money off the table. It may go from 30 to 300 and you'll kick yourself in the hiney, but there's also no shame in, in booking a profit. Ring the cash register. You can ring my bell. Ring my cash register bell. Uh, never let fear or greed influence your buy-sell decision. Uh, due to the fact that I had a father who was an alcoholic and he kind of liked to taunt me, not physically, just mentally. He wanted me better, but he didn't know how to do it. So he, he kind of was like, oh, don't be a dummy. Um, due to that, I, I, I hit a lot of emotions because I didn't want him to prey on my emotions of being happy or sad. You know, we had a thing when I was a kid of don't turn on the tears. So, like, if you took a kickball or a soccer ball in the face, my brothers would start, you know, rubbing their ears in kind of a, a turn dial motion. Like, come on, Rob, don't turn on the tears. <laughs> That's making me cough. Um, so I, 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 did, I, I hid my emotions. When I got hurt, I didn't act hurt. So I'm a good investor because I don't get emotional. I don't you know, get greedy or fearful. I'm in a glass case of emotion. I wish I was in a glass case of emotion, but you get the idea. Um, before you buy a stock, say, I'm going to own this for the short term, medium term, or long term. And, and try, to, try to quantify that. These are all things that I've said in the last 20 years again and again and again and again. Don't be a bottom fisher. Have you ever been fishing and what lives on the bottom? Nasty, ugly catfish. 
I used to be a bottom fisher in my dating life. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Don't yeah. buy stocks that are bottom fishers. You know, take a look. You were looking for increasing revenue quarter to quarter, year over year. You're looking for improvements, bottom line, financials, management ability, quality products. There's some great companies out there. Don't be a fool and look for the guys who are the worst companies. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I don't got a well-groomed haircut. I don't have a big derriere. I'm not your typical millennial male. In fact, I'm not a millennial male. Most of my decisions on spouses and kids and houses are not in the rearview mirror, but more so than last. But millennials are the shoppers of homes today. One of the biggest purchases most people will ever make, a home, a car, maybe even a spouse, if you think of it that way, right? Getting married and having kids is not cheap. So buying a home, hitting a milestone, turning 30, that's when the biological clock starts ticking, I hear. And people want to settle down, and they don't want to live in the 400-square-foot apartment anymore. Home prices are the least affordable since 2008, which is oddly enough when I bought my home. And I hit a home run on that one, huh? Buying it on the peninsula when it was affordable. Now I've ridden it up. Do I ride it back down? Do I Dr. Strange love it and get on the nuclear bomb and woo? There's no right answer, but it's a little bit tougher right now. Mortgage rates are moving higher. Affordability is getting ready to get even less affordable unless home prices come down, which a lot of people think will happen for millennials. Yeah, um, there's going to be a lot of less slim pickings of homes out there. Thank you. Thank you. It was Slim Pickens. Okay. I'm I'm working on it. Um, What was your question again? Sorry, I was working on on my punchline. Millennials. (laughs) They should review their finances before they talk to you, the mortgage lender. Uh, Review your finances is not a crazy thing. And again, everyone should have a basic concept, whether it's put on mint or LearnVest, or any of the other advisors out there that you can kind of see what you're worth. Yeah, so uh, the good news is, I've been doing this about 15 years, I've seen that part of the process improves dramatically. I've seen people come much more well-prepared. And, you know, especially with the electronic age, everybody can kind of put everything together with either mint.com or just a nice spreadsheet. And and a lot of financial advisors as well put together um, nice uh, you know, packages for people say, oh, we ever need a mortgage here, just push this button and do 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 and there you go. So you don't so, see a lot of trapper keepers anymore. No, no, we don't. Everything's um, digital. Do you remember the trapper keeper four thousand and you had lion loved stickers? It. Loved it. And unicorns. You unicorn. Loved it. Cartman, Red right? unicorns. <laughs> Silly boy. Anyway, go ahead. So finances are better. Uh, you, you also have you know things like Dropbox and other secure ways that you know we can do uh, electronic signatures and so on. So everything's got a lot easier, and I think people have really uh, embraced that. And uh, so we are seeing a little bit more uh, better prepared buyer. Um, so the millennials, yeah, it's still still focus on it. Um, you know, it's it's not just your documentation; it's your credit, it's your income. We see a lot of people that are switching jobs, um, taking a lot of gaps. And switching careers, and, and you know those things play a little bit of havoc. But you know, as far as the lending environment goes, if you were to compare what it was like back in 2010 and 11, when it was very, very tight, it has loosened up. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can take a year off and then get back to work for six months, and you still qualify. So, there's especially if you're salaried. Salaried's the key here. 
being salaried, self-employed kind of puts a kink into it, and, and you have to have two years of that. And the, but then the lenders came out and said, "Oh, we can do one-year bank statement programs or stated income programs." There, there's some of these programs that are coming back, and that's driving more people. to We the live door. in such a politically correct age right now. When you said kink, I was like, "Did he say chink?" <laughs> and I panicked. I was like, "Dumb button, dumb button, dumb button," because some celebrity just got in trouble for saying chink in the armor. I'm like, "Whoa!" Yeah, that don't, I don't think that's not right. So my credit score is 766. I just checked it. It's excellent. It's good because um, when I bought that home, it dipped all the way to 749, but it's it's come back. It's yep. been as high as 800, but uh, I got a lot of debt right now. I, but I got a lot of servicing of debt, which I'm still good on, but I got a lot of debt. If I was Credit Karma, I would take a lot of credit that uh, the average credit score in the last 10 years has gone up about 20 points. Because people can kind of see what... Because people are engaged with it now. I mean, you go back and look at some of the stats, only about 50% of the people actually have ever seen a credit report. Yeah. You know, people who have credit have actually seen it. And now that's jumped up significantly. Smartphones have made it a lot easier to um, another, be involved. Another advice I'd give millennials is check your credit, get your finances out of the Trapper Keeper 4000, get it onto some sort of spreadsheet, start focusing on it, start looking at your debts on your monthly obligations, make sure you can afford a home. But then go to open houses. Go to a lot of open houses. If you can spend a year going to open houses and like, you know, they say the first year, every time you make whoopee with your wife, put a a jelly bean in a jar and then take it out every time after that, you'll have beans left over because your first year is your most passionate year. Go to an open house and put a bean in a jar. And I don't know what that means, but put a bean in a jar at an open house. Go see what's out there and then say, you know, have a, a clue of it. And you can even tell the real estate agent, no, I'm not going to buy well, for a year. I'm just looking. Another thing, too, and I'm going to add to that is uh, instead of open houses, too, uh, you want to do those. But also think about living, maybe renting in the neighborhoods that you want to uh, live in. I think that's important. You did that, Rob. You rented in the neighborhood that you eventually bought. And I had in. the world's worst landlord. It, it doesn't matter. But you got to know the community. You're like, this, this will work. Um, you didn't just blindly go in and, and, and you knew. So, and then you go to the open houses and you can kind of figure out which house you want. And I want to say that when I was renting, um, the, comp- the people had lived in San Carlos their whole life and they went up to Seattle for, to retire. And I want to say the landlord was missing a foot. And every time there'd be something wrong with the house, I'd be like, um, the roof is leaking or there's some water coming down the hill. And the person would be like, I'm missing a foot. I can't do anything about it. I'm like, Oh, you're missing a foot. Well, diabetes, man. Yeah. Be careful about the sugars. Um, yeah. So rent, rent in the neighborhoods that you want to buy. Also use a local realtor. I mean, there's so many things that you can do. Get an inspection done. Even if you don't have to get an inspection done, get an inspection done. Those are. And don't over underestimate the costs of actually maintaining the property. That's the the biggest uh, regret most people have when they buy a home. If you're a millennial who lives in the United States of America, you can contact Tony. He does mortgages at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's not, he's not a normal mush. He's Tony Mendez. He's with BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's not anonymous, and he works in the United States of America. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's your Bay Area lender. He's my lender. He's your lender. He's America's lender. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.